Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. The podcast tends to gravitate toward productions of contemporary plays. After all, they often tend to be the focus of independent theater companies. Thankfully, however, the Metropolitan Playhouse is dedicated to producing plays from America's literary past with the mission to discover where we came from to better know who we are. I stole most of that language from their program because really there's no better way to say it. And with their production of Clyde Fitch's The Climbers, using a script dating back to 1901, looking at the past looks incredibly contemporary. I spoke with members of the cast and crew after a recent performance. I'll let them introduce themselves. Take a listen. Um, I do like to start with everyone's name on the mic. So welcome to the podcast from The Climbers by... uh, uh, not a contemporary playwright, <laughs> like Clive Fitch. Uh, we have the director. Michael Hardart. As well as, uh, I'll let you say your name and what you did on the show. We're going to go around the room. I'm Sydney Fortner, and I'm the costume designer. I'm Mark Levasseur, and I play uh, Richard Sterling. I'm Aaron Bernard, and I play Blanche Sterling. Michael LeBron, and the scenic designer. Uh, we're at the Metropolitan Playhouse, and uh, the show, okay, who wants to tell me like what the show is? Like, if you're going to tell your friends, come see this show what everyone's pointing at the director, obviously. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, what is, uh, what is The Climbers? Uh, it is a, a beautiful story from the turn of the last century about uh, greed and social climbing uh, and uh, human nature um, with comedy and drama and... Uh, Special effects and uh, anything else you might want to see in a, in a show. Oh, that's all that delightful stuff that I actually do want to get at um, because <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the effects. And uh, we have two designers here, which is not usual for the podcast, which is great because I want to talk about what you all made here. But um, before I get to that, I would love to get everyone's voice on this or as many people as who would like to chime in. Um, why do this show now? Uh, the Climbers is definitely... When was it written? 1901. 1901. Yeah, so... 116 years later, um, I think there's a very good reason why it would be done now, but let's put that reason on Mike. What do you guys feel? How do you, how do you, why, why would you feel it's important to do this show? Well, we were actually just talking about this today, and I mean, throughout rehearsal and performance, we were talking about it, that uh, uh, we are kind of in another gilded age, and this is a remarkably uh, timely piece because, you know, it's, a, it's about... I don't want to give away anything, but uh, it's 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 a it's partially about a Ponzi scheme, and 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 uh, you know obviously Bernie Madoff is in the public consciousness right now, but even above that, it's we're still kind of under this these oligarchs in our lives, and uh, uh, it's really about people who live in that world and try and you know climb higher and higher, and they're 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 insatiable. I think that's exactly how we are now. Yeah, <laughs> interesting too um that one of the things that uh we when we see these old plays when we do these plays that are from this sort of time uh we oftentimes get this whole uh they're the servant roles right the people who just play the servants right they're off to the side and you know no one ever really talks about the servants other than to get them to do things and in how you stage this michael everyone doubles as a servant (laughs) which is uh or just about everyone um and I would guess there are two really good reasons for that. The first is practical, because this is a very large cast. The second is, tell me what you thought about that. 
<laughs> I, you know, I, I thought it was, we've done a lot of plays uh, from this era and a little bit earlier, or a lot earlier uh, in American theater and from, um, from uh, beyond that, but um, it did seem sort of new uh, or unique to this play that the servants got more of a voice than, yes, sir, uh, what would you like in your tea, sir? Um, that kind of thing, that, that he shows a little bit of this uh, downstairs uh, world. Um, it's, it's, it's not the focus of the play necessarily, but it is absolutely there. And I think they're, the servants are there to comment on, on uh, sort of the, the foolishness uh, and, and the, the foibles of, of the upstairs. Is that, am I using that right? Upstairs and downstairs? Or is that so? Or is it it's true in Gosford Park. Oh, there you go. It sounds like some down, Downton Abbey sort yeah, of stuff. And exactly. I, I haven't seen the show. So. Well, it's, you know, kind of fascinating. You know, the more we uh, worked on this play, I, you know, I was a fan of Downton Abbey. And, and honestly, I, I think um, uh, Julian Fellows must have seen this play because there's just too much in this play <laughs> that was exactly duplicated. And it may just have been that was sort of a trope of the, of the turn of the century um, back, in, back then. But, but you know, uh, like you say, it was, it was practical, but also um, uh, I think that they are important uh, roles, those servant roles. Uh, and they, they, they speak... Uh, some truth, or at least their version of the truth of what the what the swells are are up to. I also just want to make sure that nobody was ever free at any point to sit backstage. And look at their phone. Yeah, no, no getting through a book on this show. Uh, and, and as an actor who gets to play like two very opposite ends uh, of the social ladder, um, can, can you talk about that experience? Yeah, I. Um, it's funny because I wasn't thinking so much about that um, although that is true I play Marie a maid a French maid and then Blanche Sterling who's the kind of the woman of the house for much of the play um, but what I was thinking about was uh, feeling a lot of physical constriction in the more upper class role and a lot of physical freedom in the the hmm. role of the maid which was kind of a joy to feel that and Marie is a small part and she just comes on a couple of times but both of those times it actually felt like a physical relief to just sort of you know, come on and be silly for a little bit and then go off and then have to put back on that in like enormously heavy Victorian morning gown and sort of be prim and proper and upright and all of those things and um, kind of emotionally tamped down um, as opposed to Marie, who's a little bit more exuberant, although she doesn't have a chance to show that for very long. How interesting that the, the costume weighs on you and then physically constricts you. It's almost like it's a metaphor for the society in which you live. Uh, and it, it just, it's so handy. We have the costume designer right here to talk a little bit. I mean, you have some really interesting uh, restrictions going on. I mean, anyone who's listening to this who hasn't seen the show yet um, has probably picked up on the fact by now that there is some doubling of characters. Um, we also go through four different, we have four different scenes. And I want to talk to Michael about that in a moment, but, um, you have to change costumes a lot. You sometimes have really quick changes between I'm a butler, now I'm this guy, now I'm the butler again. Like you're back and forth. So um, tell me a little bit about your process here, putting this together. Well, first and foremost, I I have a, uh, let's just say a through line in my work. And I think that the job of the costumes is to inform and make it easier for the actor to portray the character. And um, it's not just about getting clothes on people, though I think we could probably 
charge more if they were naked. <laughs> but it probably... I don't know. I've done those shows and we, I didn't make any money. <laughs> but uh, generally what I've heard back from actors is that the costumes do help them. And that's what I want to know. Uh, because if it doesn't, then I'm not doing my job. Hmm. Um, and so, of course, when you've got quick changes, um, you're dressing an actor that himself or herself has to make a quick change from one person to another person. And the costume should certainly help with that uh, because it's sort of like, okay, I'm wearing this vest. That must mean that I'm the butler. Okay, so um, in getting those together, uh, and Michael and I talked a lot about how could this happen in the most seamless way possible. And, and yet, uh, according to you know, his plan, it is going to be visible to the audience. Um, so they actually get to see some of the magic that happens, and which I think is much more interesting than just sort of having them come out and they're changed, and then they come out and they're changed. And, uh, you know, you don't see, get to see the fun part. Um, so, you know, that's to me is really the, the, the interesting thing, but also the, the important thing is just to make sure that the costume is performing its service uh, in creating these characters, both for the actor and for the audience. I love that description. That's great. It's the costume is the one area of the theater that I just feel totally lost in. Um, it's it sounds like uh, you're the right person to have on this kind of show. <laughs> one, of, one of the things I just mentioned briefly that um, because we have an intimate space and often uh, you know generally like like as Michael did um, picking just the the quintessential set and not trying to overdress the space, which you can't. It, it's, it's really a, a mistake. Um, so that means that uh, the costumes become very important in setting also the tone and also maybe making the changes between climate, between indoors and outdoors, right. between especially this particular time when an, a gentleman may change as much as seven times in a day um, what time of day is it? So um, the the costumes can do that also for the audience to help them get the you know where and when they are. And you ingeniously in the <laughs> set design also allowed us to to move space and move time pretty quickly. And uh, also while seeing the strings, which I really enjoy personally as an, as a theater goer, um, I I always like to say like I, I'm in a theater. I don't want to forget I'm there. I I'm very much a student of Brecht, so <laughs> I want. I like to see these things, and you get let us see it all. Right. How did you get to this concept of um, the set that we see on stage? Right. Uh, maybe give us a quick overview of what it is for anyone who hasn't seen it yet without giving away any of your secrets. <laughs> right. um, so the set itself is just a very simple circular platform that has a nice little wood grain on it, and there's drapes, drapery in the background, um, and there's some just items on the walls, just a very, very simple, modest set. And kind of one of the ideas that we really played with was, um, if you see the show, you'll know it. The show is all about appearance and the appearance of elegance and achieving elegance in a space like this, which is, you know, a small off off Broadway space is difficult if you try to put everything elegant. So we decided to focus on some very quintessential items 
to make look beautiful while that scream elegance right exactly exactly while letting the others mechanical parts show because one it's a necessity to orchestrate the movements with from the scenes to the show but also a lot was happening in the background that was behind closed doors during this time where everyone had this appearance that they were upstanding citizens and they were their best characters but wasn't always necessarily true there was there was some mechanical elements happening in the background of their lives which we then reflected onto the stage it's it's really fun to watch mm-hmm. uh, to when the first reveal happened of uh, mm-hmm. the set changing. I was like, oh, that's genius! <laughs> of course, why not do it that way? That's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's re- it was a really fun uh, thing to 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 watch as an audience member. Um, I want to ask a question, and maybe I'll cut this if it doesn't go anywhere useful. Um, but it's a question I don't often get to ask because I don't often get to see a three-hour play, especially off off Broadway. How have Audience, what have audiences' reactions been like to seeing a play that is 116 years old and therefore demands uh, or asks of an audience a very different thing than what we usually ask of an audience now in the days of 75 to 80 minute shows? I mean, I see audiences start to fidget when you hit the 100 minute mark sometimes. Mm-hmm. So what, what has that been like for you as actors to, to prepare a show like this? And also, uh, what, how, how do you feel with the audience? Does it feel different? Um, I, I don't know if I'm the best person to answer this because I've, I've done probably primarily longer plays. Uh, I do a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of just older plays plays here, um, which do tend to be longer because that was their HBO miniseries. Yeah, like they was... wanted all the drama and everything crammed into a three-hour evening at the theater, um, five acts and all of that. So I... I think sort of endurance-wise, I know what it takes for me as an actor, mm-hmm. and, and that wasn't a surprise. Um, what's always interesting is I've been in very long shows that did not go over well with an audience where I could <laughs> tell they were checking out right away. And then this one, that has not been the case. I, I have heard from very candid people that they didn't think about the time because I think it's just such a juicy play. Like It's legitimately an interesting play that you don't have to pretend to be interested in the mm-hmm. way you might with something that's a little, you know, it's in the canon, but it's actually not that entertaining anymore. Um, this is hugely entertaining. And, uh, you know, I, so, I mean, the, one of the nice things, but it can also be challenging about working in a space this intimate, is you sort of know what is going on with the audience pretty quickly, you know, mm-hmm. and you can tell when people are fidgeting and you can tell when they're sleeping and all those things. <laughs> so I have to say, we haven't had many sleepers in this audience. <laughs> We've had relatively few fidgeters. Like, people seem to be pretty engaged. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Just to talk about um, the length of the show, I think I think it's a, a useful distinction to talk about um, pacing of plot and story. I think that that pace wise, it actually moves very fast. It does, yeah. And it's and it's long, but I mean, you know, I mean, uh, between the first half and the second half, that's each one of those is usually the length of like an, like an under 90 minute play. Yeah. Um, but that it's like there, it's this kind of continuing evolving saga of a story. And for me, when I first read it, I was kind of blown away with how deep it goes because I kept expecting, especially after the end of the half that like, oh, okay, well that's the end of the drama, but you know, where can it go from here? Right. Um, and as far as the audience goes with it, I mean, it, it's been actually really interesting because personally, 
just dealing with this text, the style of the writing is for me the the most unusual, maybe because I'm unfamiliar with this period of time, mm -hmm. just, you know, in, in my own working life, but um, the, the text has really connected, I think, with, with people. They've really been quite attentive and quite reactive. And, um, you know, uh, I was, <laughs> my character is, has almost zero comedic moments um but i think they he's hilarious they <laughs> have it around me i think he's hilarious but um his his story is so tragic that i think often a lot of people either i'm not funny which is i'm willing to accept or, <laughs> I'm not funny or, either. or no. it's the or it's just that you know circumstantially it's it's odd to laugh at the the really bad sad moment um mm -hmm. but uh it's been really interesting because people have picked up little bits here and there and and it, you know, it's always surprising because um, I never expect it, you know, and uh, it's it's just kind of nice. It's it's uh, especially with, as you were saying, such an intimate house that you can tell when people are really with you, you know, right. and when they check out, they check out. You know, <laughs> well, thankfully, that hasn't seemed to, that wasn't the case when I was here. Yeah. I was talking to somebody who saw the show on Sunday and afterwards, and she said that she was riveted through the whole thing, that it really moved forward. And she said, well, you should tell people that it's no different than binge watching a few episodes of your favorite show in an evening. I and mean, so, you know, you watch three episodes of Breaking Bad. And so long as it's a good show, of course you want to watch more of it exactly. because you're there with it and it's and it's and it's and it's you know, holding you in. Maybe you get to gauge your own bathroom breaks a little more <laughs> with more freedom that <laughs> that way. But still, I, I think, you know, we, we have the attention span. One of the things I think that helped to, to grab us, this is like a, it's a nice segue into uh, what the last question I wanted to ask, which was, um, in addition to, you know, Michael's set tricks and, and Sydney's costume tricks, there's like really good theatricality going on throughout the course of this. And, and a lot of it is... Um, out of necessity, I think, uh, given the space. But this is the sort of stuff that I love when we embrace these things and we don't try to hide. I love that you talked about, like, you know, we, we're not going to build a full, like, parlor here. So, like, how do we say we're in a parlor when later we've got to be out in a park? So how do we do that? And so you found these really lovely ways to... Uh, you know, to do different sound effects, to um, have different visual effects that happened on stage was a really great surprise. Did not know it was coming. Um, how, what do you do as a director to find those things? Uh, were they, was is it all just like mother of invention sort of thing? Or, and, and how do you work with the cast to come up with those stuff, that stuff? Because I've run into casts that can be a little resistant sometimes to very theatrical, um, demands being put on them. Wait a minute, I'm supposed to be playing this character. I'm the character. Well, sometimes the character is not the character and you're an actor having to do this thing. What was that like? Very briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Out of turn speak for the cast. This is such a, I mean, just as the amount of material, it's so, it's a lot. It's a, yeah. it's a big show and a lot of different meanings of the word. And I think everybody that Michael cast um, was just game to play and it has been a pure joy to work with them um, because people have been willing to come in and do small little hints of you know theatrical kind of stage magic magic um, and and it, I think it's also a partially necessity that we needed to figure out a solution but people were always just like oh well I could do that 
and it's really it's that that's the best kind of working environment to be with people like that i completely really agree and this is why i always ask this question when i notice these things i'm like that worked talk about why that worked because i want more actors and more and more directors to think this way it's totally self-serving no no i'm i'm, I'm with you um we as i said we we frequently delve into the american uh past uh in, in theatrical past and a lot of shows from the 19th century the early 20th century um when these were spectacles i mean mm -hmm. the shows we do almost almost uh, to a one uh would have been done on a on a on a huge proscenium stage with a cast of of dozens and a crew of scores and a budget of a lot and a budget of a lot back when a lot got you a whole lot because you know there was no union so you didn't know to pay an actor <laughs> um but uh um so 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 we are tasked with tasked with taking those shows you know times that they had you know actual locomotives come on stage or you know steamships blowing up and okay so how are we going to do this and how are we going to do this without sort of you know as michael said trying to do something that obviously you know we're not capable of doing just because you know it's a different time and a different age and, and people expect different things so we're used to, to 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 taking on that challenge and it really is a wonderful challenge it's not a it's not a crippling sort of, oh my gosh, well, I guess we're going to have to suffer through it. It's, it's more like, wow, how much fun are we going to have solving this problem in this different way? I love it because I think it's so freeing and so like it gives you so much opportunity as an artist to get, like that's what makes me creative. I, I okay, I've got, you know, how do I MacGyver this, this mm. scene to work when I'm supposed to be under the sea and there's mermaids going by? Like, well, I'm not going to fill the room with water. What do I do? <laughs> you know, like, I love that sort of stuff, Michael. Um, I feel like this show really, it, it, it justifies a lot of this movement too because this, there was a spectacle about their lives at this time. Mm -hmm. You know, they had a dozen butlers and as they were living their typical lives sitting in their parlor chatting about drama between different aristocrats there was a bustle of you know butlers and maids moving around changing the scenes for them so that they didn't have to do it they, they never pushed in a chair or you know opened up a fire pit or any of that like they always had they had, they had a team of people doing it so the location in the show really justified a lot of this play too you know exactly. it almost called for it and I have to say, we've we've always, pretty much always asked of our actors um, to to be their own crew uh, in in moving sets and 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 dealing with all that. I mean, it's a little bit of a practical thing because um, we don't have the space to, to honestly have another body up there to well, have that look, couple look of days. Really silly if you have all these these butlers and whatnot running around and all these people, and then some. Cat in black, yeah, wearing a clown nose <laughs> out. Like well, it just wouldn't wouldn't look right. And I've gotten used to it. And and what it's what it's driven me to from from the first show I've directed here some years ago um, is an appreciation of what I enjoy, what I love is when the show can continue moving forward while the set change is happening. Even in the set change, even yes. in the set change. Yeah, I, I, you know, not to, you know, Broadway shows are wonderful, but you know, there's something a little sad about. 
this wonderful drama happening in, happening in front of you and the story moving forward. And then the, the act break happens and you see, as you say, the, the folks in black come out and scurry and do their important jobs and the story has stopped. Yep. And, and, suddenly, and, then, and then it starts back up again and it's like, okay, I got to rev it up again. So, you know, I understand you're not allowed to ask Judy Dench to move a chair, but um, I think she would do it. That's that's the other thing. I, I you know we have been so fortunate, and I've always been wonderfully surprised that actors are absolutely game to do this. So Real long actors as actors are game because it's helping the show. If it's helping the it's show, it's, the show. And, and you make it sort of something that's like part of the story, mm -hmm. and I think they see that. Sometimes it's not always the case. Sometimes you know I love it when you're able to sort of really just tell that story of you know somebody's moving from one up one house to the next and so that's literally what you're doing with the with the scene change and having your actors sort of make that change happen sometimes it's just somebody's got to bring out a chair um and it's you know if it's the the queen of england then she brings out a chair um <laughs> but but for the most part these actors in particular have been wonderful collaborators and and uh, and and we're, we're usually very fortunate to have such people yeah, I was, I was going to say that. Thank you so much, Michael, <laughs> putting that so clearly. Um, as, a, as a customer, um, of course, I'm dealing with all of the actors in a, sometimes a kind of, in, kind of important uh, personal way. And uh, we do have an amazing uh, group of actors that, and, and new actors come in, you know, all the time too. We don't have a company. But uh, we do have people who do come back, and that's, that's I think, a testimony to uh, how well we try to treat them. Um, but th the people who come in here, generally, um, they are such team players. And I think, as Michael said, they understand that that is what happens to a, a play. When a play, you have a play, when you have a team behind it, mm -hmm. it becomes this amazing creation. And, you know, so you have, you know, turn of the century thing and each lady is wearing seven different accessories and they're having to help each other get into their corsets and, you know, trying to make sure that nobody's shoes get lost and, <laughs> and all of that because you have all of these pieces in this fairly small dressing area. Um, and there's, you know, you would think, oh my God, cat fights galore. <laughs> um, but none of that, not any of that. Um, it's, it's really a testament to how they are so dedicated to having the show work for everyone, for themselves, for the audience, for the theater. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have to say that because I want to make sure that everyone knows that they are appreciated. Well, come and see what this very dedicated team has created. We're at the Metropolitan Playhouse. Uh, the show runs through just this weekend, right? Through the no, 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 one more, right? <laughs> through the eighth, October eighth. Yes, October eighth. Which I'm thinking it's much later than it actually is. Yeah, I did see that outside. October eighth. Uh, tickets and more information can be found at metropolitanplayhouse.org. Brilliant, and thank you all so much for doing this. I really appreciate you guys hanging out. Appreciate it. Thank you, Michael, Sydney, Michael, Mark, and Aaron for hanging out after the show to chat. You can catch The Climbers at the Metropolitan Playhouse, 220 East 4th Street in Manhattan through Sunday, October 8th, 2017. Head to metropolitanplayhouse.org for a link to tickets and more information. 
Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please give it a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. Until next time, go see a show. Great. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. That's the most, I couldn't take my eyes off that furry thing. <laughs>